Hello, everybody, and welcome to my brand new podcast, Music to Live for with Shanti. It's me, Shanti, a Swiss musicologist and stage manager, talking with different artists and discussing different topics belonging to the music business. My guest today is the young Swiss violinist Elise Scheurer, and together we will discuss what does it mean being a young musician facing different challenges, like living and studies in a different country. Definitely a fresh point of view from somebody who wants to make music a lifetime commitment and a profession. So let's go! Check this out! Hello, Elisa. Thank you very much to be here on the podcast. Uh, before we jump into our discussion, I will let you introduce yourself to the audience. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, my name is Elise Shira, and I am currently studying in London at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in the first year of my master's performance course. And before that, I studied in Lucerne and I did my undergrad or bachelor's degree, however you want to call it at the Hochschule Luzern. This is definitely an interesting curriculum. Can you tell us more about your experience in the UK? But yeah, I mean, um, so I started studying in London in September, which was around, well, when the second wave of this pandemic started up again. And the school had already put into place a system that they called, I think, blended learning. So it's a mixture of online and in-person teaching. Uh, which they had devised over the holiday period in the summer and which they also, I think, started using uh, around the beginning of the pandemic. And so anyway, so my first term was kind of okay because it was nearly everything was online except chamber music, which was great because that meant I could, you know, see people and play with them three times a week, which was great. And um, now, of course, with this new COVID strain and everything, Um, unfortunately, England has gone into a really sort of pretty much a full on lockdown uh, with schools having to close as well until mid-February, which means I'm kind of stranded in Switzerland until then, which isn't terrible, but it's just uh, sad for my studies because that means I won't be able to play with my quartet or have any in-person teaching. And uh, yeah, that's what makes it hard, really. But other than that, um, I think everyone's just trying to do their best and make things work yeah yeah i understand um can you tell us about a little bit of the difference you found in between studying switzerland and studying in the uk sure um so first i should maybe say that the music college in lucerne is pretty small i think it's one of the smaller ones from switzerland so it was kind of a very closed space and at the end of my three years there i kind of felt like I knew everybody in the whole school and everybody knew me. And um, yeah, uh, that's kind of also a reason why I wanted to study abroad um, because I wanted to leave Switzerland and just this feeling of small closed community, which I kind of like because it's great for like contact building and everything. But um, I've always just wanted to really sort of broaden my horizons and try new things and meet new people and everything. And so I was like, yeah, I really want to do my master's degree abroad. Um, I'd also thought about going to Germany, um, but sort of ended up getting more responses from England. I only checked out London, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, it all worked out. And so the main difference is, apart from the obvious things like different country, different language and everything, um, is that the school is a lot bigger than Lucerne. I think Guildhall is not the biggest school either in London or in England better said but uh, I mean in, for me in comparison it's quite big and uh, just what what I liked most or what really sort of left an impression on me when I went like to, to visit I, I also went to visit Royal College and had a couple of consultation lessons there with some professors and what really struck me was just the sort of atmosphere of openness and positivity um, especially the positivity, because I always felt like in Switzerland, there was a bit of a negative vibe most of the time, 
or not really negative, but sort of each to their own a little bit. And there's always a little bit of sort of low key competition going on and sort of not in a very friendly or helpful way. And I feel like uh, the short amount of time I've spent in London, I have felt there is a lot of competition, but it's sort of in an uplifting way. And it sort of really motivates you to sort of work and, you know, build new friendships and sort of learn from other people as well. Whereas while I was in Switzerland, I always felt like I was a bit, uh, you know, on my own and couldn't tell people about, you know, if, if you succeeded in something because they'd be like, oh, yay, great, in your face. And then they'd go to other people and be like, oh, did you hear this person did that and got that? And, oh, and um, I mean, I'm sure that exists in England as well, because I mean, probably exists everywhere. But um, I don't know, I just feel like England is a lot more they work a lot more on a positive uh, feedback and criticism culture. And in Switzerland, it's all just very direct, uh, which is fine as well. Um, but I prefer positivity. <laughs> yes, of course. And, and for sure, the, the mention the, the, of the country itself, but the, the music society where you're in makes a huge uh, difference. As you said, the kind of competition Uh, it's more like in a positive one when you, you have to push yourself knowing where your limits are or where you have to, to, to improve. But yeah, when you have this stimulus, this, this kind of competition that say, okay, you need to, to go hard more in that direction than just say, okay, who is the best? You yeah. know, like this is, I think this is a, it's a huge, it's a, it's a big, big difference. And um, I recognize that uh, even if I didn't study uh, an instrument here in Switzerland, but I, I recognize that also when you are normal at a university or in a different kind of um, mm -hmm. for, um, professional institution that, that uh, there is this kind of competition. But I still believe that is because this is also the mentality of the place and also the fact that this is a small reality yeah. in compare. And, but I recognize also that for the beginning, it could also help. It could be like a, a huge help because you know where you are moving in and, and it's not all, everything uh, like a surprise. So you joined this new reality of UK and a new school already uh, with maybe knowing better yeah. what you are looking for or already um, with, uh, with, this, with this idea that you wanted to know more. So this is for sure definitely an interesting perspective. Yeah, definitely. And I mean... Even though it's like the middle of a pandemic, I, I feel like um, there's a lot of external opportunities and just the school also, um, you know, they, they often tell you about external opportunities, you know, like anything from competitions to uh, concerts or to, you know, people looking for somebody to like, I don't know, play at a wedding, for example, and stuff. Uh, I think it's really cool that the school actually actively sends you these messages um, because, you know, it's always nice to have some external opportunities to do. Um, and I can't remember anything like that being in Lusa. And you would get the occasional email, like if uh, there was an orchestra that was looking for some players desperately um, to jump in at short notice or somebody was selling an instrument. But there wasn't that sort of culture of, you know, handing out, um, well, not handing out, but just, you know, telling people about, availabilities and gigs and stuff and I think that's really great so I feel like uh, Guildhall really cultivates this kind of atmosphere of supporting its students on every sort of base possible and whereas in I mean I, I can't speak for all the music schools in Switzerland but where I studied I felt like you were sort of more left to your own devices and and pretty often it would more be sort of a culture of if you get this spot or if you end up going in this direction in your career. And at Guildhall, I feel like it's more like when you get this spot and when you go this way and that way. Um, so it's like they automatically believe in you uh, quite a lot more. And in Switzerland, or maybe in Lucerne, they were all just a bit more on the cautious side of things. Yeah, I noticed as at the university, um, before I started my uh, my study in Basel, I had the chance to to travel in the country and visit Geneva, uh, Fribourg, uh, Zurich, and in the end Basel. And mm -hmm. I, I knew that I wanted to do musicology, but I didn't know where. And I noticed that um, 
uh, in the end, I choose Puzzle just because it was the the the, the institution where I could uh, try, have the chance to try more. I had to the chance to see more things on, from different point of view because in the other university I have, there was this kind of um, standard um, introduction to musicology uh, approach to musicology. There was like okay, this is the way we used to do this from hundred years and we keep going like the whole school way. Yeah. And in Basel, I had in six years I had the chance to see and travel. Uh, only thanks to, to the Institute of Musicology mm-hmm. and and open a lot of uh, horizons even. I can only say that I work in logistic and I do my podcast and I do a lot of other small projects. But uh, a lot of my friends that were st- at the time were starting with me, we all work and live uh, for music. And this is so positive because that means we, had, we studied musicology and we didn't have to do uh, in the end, have to do a lot of compromises on how we're gonna uh, yeah. have a paycheck at the end of the month. You know, like so we uh, mm-hmm. one is journalist, the other one is to produce this one, the other was in the other. I choose, mm-hmm. for example, the the this other way more uh, technical and everything. And and this is um, uh, this is beautiful because you hear now with COVID even more how it's difficult our time for culture in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. you know, I, I see that there are still people motivated to do that, to get into that, and mm-hmm. this is also, I think, a little bit a connection with what you are living in the in the situation between Switzerland and UK. The fact that I try to to um, support yourself, mm-hmm. to try, you know, to reach this opportunity. As you said, it's not that if you're gonna reach that yeah. result or this position, you know, they say the yeah. opportunity is there for you. We also show you how, but then it's up to you to to study more, to improve, and everything. Yeah, to reach, exactly. To reach that goal, but but the door the door is open. The door is open. It's not just yeah. elite, but once again, I think there is still still a lot of a little bit on the mentality that we have here. Definitely, it has so much yeah. to do with pro that. and contra. I will yes. say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it maybe sounds like I'm really bashing my former college and everything, um, but you know it. it, it is a good institute at the end of the day, but it just wasn't the type of institute for me for, you know, long-term stuff because, you know, maybe I just didn't fit into that mentality so much uh, in Lucerne. And I feel so much more comfortable and supported in London than I did in Lucerne. Um, But I did have like, you know, a really amazing three years in Lucerne, you know, a lot of fun, had a great teacher. I went to Lucerne because of my teacher actually. because I could have gone to Bern, which is a lot closer to where I live. Um, but I did my pre-college there and um, I just didn't, didn't feel the vibe, <laughs> if you will. And uh, I didn't want to go to Zurich either because I just felt like the atmosphere of that college was very competitive and very sort of, well, you know, like classic Zurich, like, you know, do this, do that and um, excel at I everything. Know, I know. Yeah. I mean, also a great school, but, you know, not really my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, I think this is so important, your comment, because uh, maybe there is some music students that is listening to right now the podcast and they say, oh, yeah, I, I felt I felt that I'm, I'm a little bit down now with my studies and everything. And it's important to know, yeah, but then in the future or there will be other opportunities mm. or other schools that can offer other point of view and other realities. So this is so important, not yes. that somebody, you know, they lose the, the passion for what is it doing just because... Uh, for because of two years of school you know that that, that's important yeah yeah and I mean speaking from my experience I would say um, you know choose a school because of your principal study professor um, and not because of the location of the school or because your friends are going or whatever because uh, I mean you know this is uh, music study specific obviously Um, because I mean in the end uh, it's your principal instrument that's going to be your most you know, the most investment during the whole study, uh, the whole course of your studies. And, you know, if you end up with a professor who you're not happy with or who is not um, supporting you how you feel you should be supported, then, you know, it's better to just change um, than just, 
be comfortable and just stay there. And then, cause then you might, you know, regret it at some point. And I'm saying this because I did at one point wonder if I should really leave Lucerne cause I really liked my former teacher. And, you know, I got along great with him and I felt like he was really helping me to improve and everything. But at the same time, I thought I'm pretty sure I will regret it if I stay there forever as much as I liked, te- uh, you know, learning from him and everything. And, you know, yeah, I'm really, really happy that I decided to, to move on. And also that I sort of distanced myself from what I didn't like about the school so that the, the mentality, certain people, and, you know, just, uh, I felt like there weren't very many people who were striving for bigger things. And that kind of really bothered me in the beginning. And then I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, put my blinds on and just focus on what I want to achieve and work on that. And uh, kind of worked out because I'm in London now. And I wouldn't have believed ever when I started my undergrad that I would end up in London. <laughs> yeah. But in between, you had the chance also to tour a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The, the practical thing about Switzerland being so small is the music world is also comparatively small. And then, you know, pretty quickly you sort of build your contacts and your sort of network of people. Um, so I got asked to play in a lot of different projects. And at the beginning of my undergrad, I used to say yes to everything. because I was like, oh, people are asking me to do things. It's so cool. And at one point I started sort of, well, but first of all, because I was just completely swamped with things because I couldn't say no. And second of all, I ended up playing in a couple of projects that were not the um, most beneficial for me and that I didn't enjoy that much. So I thought, okay, I really need to sort of filter out things. And so at the end of my undergrad, I maybe got only half as many offers as I would have had in my first year, but those offers were like all the more interesting and beneficial to me. For example, the the last thing I did before, you know, this whole pandemic stuff broke out was actually um, the end of 2019, I got asked to go on tour um, with an orchestra in China and uh, for like a New Year's concert. And I, it was a really short notice thing because uh, one of my friends who was concert master of that orchestra asked, um, you know, do, do you want to <laughs> play because we need one more violin? But can you tell me in like two hours you can and then, you know, send me all your documents and stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, God, this is really short notice. And I'd have to leave on Christmas, Christmas Day. Uh, but then I was like, do you know, what? I've never been to China. This sounds really cool. And uh, I just love traveling. So I said yes. And it was really one of the greatest tours I've ever been on. I mean, it was really, really tiring because we were there for, I think, 20 or 21 days. And we played 16, no wait, I I can't remember if it was 18 concerts in 16 cities or 16 concerts in, I think it was 18 concerts in 16 cities. That makes more sense. A lot of concerts Mm -hmm. anyway. So we didn't have much free time and we were traveling a lot, uh, but you know, it was just so, eye-opening to see you know a completely different culture a completely different country and I mean China is really to me really mind-bogglingly different to anything I've ever seen in you know Europe um and yeah funnily enough we were also in Wuhan as you know rumors started going around about this new uh, virus and uh, none of us ever thought it would end up uh, in a pandemic you know um none of us got sick so it's not our fault (laughs) But um, yeah, that was really cool. And before when I, well, that was actually before I started studying. And then also I think in the first year of my undergrad, I was still playing in the uh, Youth Symphony Orchestra of Bern. And um, the cool thing about that youth orchestra was that uh, because they were, they belonged to the music school of Bern, they had these pedagogical projects, they would call it. where they would every summer go to a different country for a concert tour. And sometimes we'd also like collaborate with youth orchestras from that specific country. Um, so I was able to go to, you know, super cool places like South Africa, Finland, Hungary, Bulgaria. And, uh, and they used to go also to America and Russia, but that was like way before my time. Um, but, you know, it's really cool to be able to visit 
different countries um, because of music. So not just like, oh, I'm going on holiday, but you're going there and, you know, you're with friends and everything's organized for you and then you get to play concerts. And uh, it's especially cool when you get to meet um, other youth orchestras. So like when we were in South Africa, we played with a South African youth orchestra as well and also in Finland and then the Finnish orchestra came to visit us in Switzerland and then we had another concert there uh, so that was really cool and the very last sort of normal I'll say concert thing that I had before well before the second wave arrived and everything was um, in the summer of uh, 2020 as we're already in the new year um, I got asked to play with the Camerata Pel Sonore in uh, Hungary and that was just a really amazing experience because I, I, I don't know, I just really like uh, Hungary and Budapest especially. I think it's a really cool city. And um, yeah, so we played a couple of concerts in and around Budapest. And then we also got to play at the um, Kaposfest, which is, or Kaposfest, I can't remember how it's pronounced, but it's a classical music festival in Kaposvár. And uh, it's just, it's really cool. And, you know, all the artists that played there, you know, I just remember going to listen to them and it's just so amazing to be able to, you know, sit in a concert again after like, last time I'd been to a concert was probably in February. And the only thing that made you realize that we're still in a pandemic was that, you know, we had to wear masks in the public. But then as uh, the performers, like when we played, we didn't have to wear masks and we could just sit normally. And that was just... So great. And it was just really great to, to play with these people because, you know, we were just really great musicians and people as well. So we, we'd often, you know, go to the pub afterwards and it was just a really great time. And, you know, at, at that point, I think everybody was thinking, oh, things are going to go back to normal slowly now. And then I think a week after I left Hungary to go back to Switzerland, um, they closed the borders. And then I left Switzerland to go to London and then... Um, quarantine rules came back into the game and everything and, and everything just started going back downhill again <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately as i said at the beginning definitely a strange and special situation we are living in but um i think this is idea of uh, seeing the world um touring and seeing new um realities um new societies like it's like so special because you do that thanks to the music I mean, is is your passion, but also your profession at mm -hmm. the moment, is bringing you around the world and yeah. seeing new thing, and of course, it's good for for your experience mm -hmm. uh, as musician, but also as as you as person. I I live the same um, as while I'm touring with some metal bands, like you, you, you. Of course, you are always on the road. You you may would like to go and visit the city and everybody, and but you are tired <laughs> uh, but in the end uh, I just mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine yeah. another another better way to do that because in two weeks I've been to Scandinavia yeah I saw Denmark I, I I've been in Amsterdam all my friends said oh you have to go to Amsterdam let's go to Amsterdam and I never be there but music bring me there so I was there also with some good friends of people that I really liked and I went to England also first time driving <laughs> On the other side, I oh, will say, because oh, I, I used to that. drive the van for the bands, and so that was that was that was the challenge, I you know. And, and, but this was so incredible, and I remember one night, um, one night the the concert we had uh, in France just couldn't happen, so we drove from uh, from Lille to Basel. It's quite a long way, but in that day, uh, it's like I I drove from London to Basel, so. Those are experiences that, oh, they, they always stay with you. You know, you got yeah. and you got the part uh, that belongs to the music, that belongs to the profession, and then you got this part that belongs to your private life, that belongs to your private experience uh, as you as a single individual. And this is this is something an um, enlightenment for for your soul, I, I think, because music, music it works also like yeah. that. And, and like character building. Yeah, and without such experience, um, for sure, um, somebody or a musician could maybe could not reach some some results. Yeah, I, I also noticed uh, working with some young orchestra here in the country that 
even if you are there um, so for fun, for the pleasure to, to do this kind of project, it could be a, a Christmas project or a summer project, there have always been this kind of competition. And it, it seems that, you know, you're not enjoying 100% to be there and play yeah. with, uh, with the other colleagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, but then you got the, the, the other point of view and it's like living moment, like at the Davos Festival this summer, 2020. Um, one of the last evening, uh, a quartet played and they were just amazing because you could, not just the quality of the music, of course, really great musician, mm-hmm. talented person, but um, the feeling in between those four people on the stage. Yeah. And it was so, it's so incredible and amazing when you, when you feel that, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody, um, I have to be honest, uh, I have no knowledge how, how to play violin or cello or a <laughs> string instrument. And, and, but I could feel, you know, this energy Mm-hmm. staying there in the hole and this is something so important i think yeah because music is also something that is there for for the pleasure to be listened to it nobody has to be professional just to enjoy it yeah and i think and i also saw uh, the reaction of the public when it was the audience the audience was just there listened to in silence and was so um impressed for that so yeah the experience traveling uh see the world um, open new new doors to new reality for sure yeah. is is the greater things for for a musician or somebody who is trying to to make his own way and 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 looking for what what can, could be his own um his own, his own professional future yeah but let's go back and i have to ask you how do you get to choose to play violin <laughs> uh, so i actually never chose that or had a say in it really to be honest um because I was pretty small at the time I think two or three and uh, so none of my parents are musicians um but my father is like um you know he loves classical music especially opera and, and uh my mother also um kind of grew up a little bit with classical music in that sense because her mother, so my grandmother, used to play the cello and the piano. And a lot of my family members, actually, from my mother's side, sort of play the piano fairly well. But uh, nobody's, like, become a musician, so I'm the first one. Um, But anyway, so how how we ended up playing the violin, I say we because my sister also started playing the violin with me, um, is that my mum really wanted her children to have some kind of musical education. And so she was just, I think, reading through a newspaper or something, and she read this article on the Suzuki method, um, which actually, I can go a bit more into that um, later on. But uh, basically it's um, teaching, or the philosophy is to teach a child an instrument like a child learns its mother tongue. So through listening, hearing, and copying. So anyway, she read about that and she thought that was really cool. And I think at that time, the Suzuki method wasn't that widespread in Switzerland. Um, but there was one teacher who lived uh, in a city nearby who did it. And so my mom took us there. I think we were about three then. And my father was like really against it. He was like, no, they're too young to start playing with three. I should wait until they're five, six, seven. Um, but this teacher said, you know, it's fine. Um, let's give it a try and see what happens. So that's how we started learning the violin at three. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad that my mom decided to do that uh, for us because, yeah, I don't know uh, what I'd be doing with my life if I didn't play the violin. I'd probably be a completely different person. (laughs) But um, yeah, and, you know, kudos to her for like, you know, really keeping at it with us because I'm sure I wasn't the easiest child to teach anything because, you know, I had a really short attention span and, Really often, like between the ages of five and 14, I'd say, or no, maybe not five, but definitely nine and 14. I just really didn't like practicing and, you know, often said like, oh, I want to stop playing and stuff, but uh, I'm really glad I didn't. Um, so yeah, that's how we started to play the violin. Oh, that, that's definitely an interesting way to get into that because uh, uh, once again, uh, um, I think there is still, uh, I. 
I still don't know if it's something that belongs definitely to the, the society we are in. I mean, the Swiss one, but this idea of, you know, you need to start like this, like mm-hmm. that with this method and everything. So I definitely love this idea. I, I, I never heard of Suzuki method before. <laughs> so this was definitely something new and interesting to know, mm-hmm. to know about, but um, I can also recognize the way I, I, I get into instruments. Um, I, I started doing percussions mm-hmm. and my, my teacher just put a, gave us the instrument and just say playing, but in a way like a toy, you know, just discover the instrument, you know, how it's mm-hmm. built and everything. And then slowly um, also yeah. getting to, uh, the music dynamics and, and learning how to read uh, mm-hmm. uh, and everything. And but always in a way like we are playing, we are having fun, you know, like if, yeah. And, and this approach, I guess, I guess give me more and more uh, into, into the idea of, yeah, I want to know more. I want to go from, yeah. from the xylophone or to the, from the marimba onto the conga to the, to a real drum set and everything. And, and I could remember, mm-hmm. I, I never learned play drums because of the uh, book or a video, because nowadays, thanks to YouTube, you can watch yeah. a lot of teacher or also amateur explaining uh, different methods. That mm-hmm. is still something interesting. But at the time, I was just me in front of the, of those uh, drums, and I remember once one day I just started playing a simple beat, this pattern, and I said, "Oh, so this is mm-hmm. how it works." And then the t- showing that the teacher, he told me, "Okay, but normally to play that on the hi hat, on the snare, and everything." And so, yeah. so then, oh, this is, that's the way, you know, and this is method, I think, so, uh, it's so interesting because allow yourself to better understand, of course, if this is the, your instrument, but also if you really like it and if it fits to yeah. your personality and, uh, and, and your emotion, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of this idea that, um, music but also playing an instrument as a, a um, direct connection to your feelings and the, or, and your personality so so this is those two methods yours of course it's definitely one of the best way to get into that so definitely good advice for everybody out there having family and children so if they want to get introduced to music that's I could be a good inspiration, Suzuki Met. Thank you very much. What you do, what you do in your free time? I mean, when you're not playing, from from when you charge your energy. Um, I always feel like I'm a very lazy person. So usually, like when I practice, I, I practice quite intensely and use a lot of my, you know, concentration and energy up pretty quickly. So usually, what I do, like as soon as I finish like a practice session, is I just sort of. <laughs> lie on the sofa on my phone for like a couple of minutes just to sort of you know do nothing um but more um I'd say productive things I do sort of uh to sort of balance out being a musician um I I really like reading um and um I was thinking the other day actually what would I say if somebody asked me what are your hobbies because I don't really know like what what does a hobby mean like you know but I would say one of one of the things I really enjoy doing is learning languages um because I taught myself Spanish a couple of years ago for no apparent reason I just thought like I woke up one day and I was like I want to learn Spanish and I'm going to start now and uh I succeeded and so last year I was like I want to learn something again so now I'm currently learning Hungarian and I've been a bit lazy recently I haven't really kept it up but uh, I'm starting to understand it pretty well. So, uh, you know, maybe by the end of this year, I'll be able to speak it. Uh, We'll see. But uh, I feel like it sort of engages my brain in a similar way to music, but without the the, um, pressure of it being, you know, something that I'll be doing for a profession at some point in my life. So I just, you know, do it as a a hobby, I guess you could say. Um, What else? I mean... I, I really like skiing, <laughs> being Swiss and everything, uh, but that's kind of a very specific hobby that, you know, you can only really do it in the winter when you have the time and it's also pretty expensive. Um, but when I can't go skiing, I, I really enjoy horse riding. 
And actually, I say horse riding. I'd, I'd say I prefer just spending time with horses. So my neighbor um, down the road, she has three horses. She used to have six, like back when I was a child. Um, but, you know, as we all do, they grow old and then move on at some point. So now she has three um, of the original six. And I still go the, over there with a friend of mine regularly. And, you know, we just look after them. or We go for walks with them or we don't really go riding that much anymore. Um, mainly I, um, just sort of worry about my hands. Cause like, you know, if something happens and something happens to my hands and my arms, then, you know, what, <laughs> what happens to my career? And you could say everything is a risk. Skiing is a massive risk, but the thing with horses is they're animals. And no matter how much you trust them and know them at the end of the day, they are animals that will react to something if they get a fright. And so that's just a very big sort of uncontrollable variable that you always have to have at the back of the mind. Whereas if you go skiing and something happens, it's mostly your fault. <laughs> so that's kind of a different kind of risk for me. And so, yeah, I don't have to, you know, ride a horse to, you know, be able to spend time with it and interact with it. And um, I just think they're really cool animals, you know, probably sounds really stupid for somebody who doesn't really like horses or isn't interested in them, but to me, they just, they just have a very calming energy. So, you know, if I've had a bad day or something, um, or it's like, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. Um, if I can then just spend half a day with a horse, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so cool. I mean, it's like, like being a cat person or not, like, you know, this, this kind of, these animals that, that, yeah, yeah that give, give you this kind of energy or yeah. empathy like this. And they try, it's like, even if you can talk or yeah, do something yeah, special, yeah. but they cheer you up just to be there. <laughs> and the, the, this energy, this yes. presence, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'd, I'd much rather spend an afternoon with, you know, dogs or horses than, I don't know, go and have a cigarette or, or drink or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so as I said before, it's the, it's the kind of interaction that you have. Is the kind of is how do you also organize your time? That also, I think that the, the question of what's your hobbies. Yeah, it seems like that you have to have a job, and then yeah. what you do part time is like okay, this is something that makes you just for fun and everything. Um, this is something that I also recognize from the re from the reality I come from, from the south. Yeah. I grew up in Ticino, and for example, there being a musician, it's a hobby. It's not a mm -hmm. job, a proper job. <laughs> and it's just a scandal because down there we... It's kind of like that everywhere in Switzerland, I feel. Yeah, that's right. But because it's strange because from, from the south, I come from a lot of... There's a lot of good musicians. We have a very good concert halls and other conductors going there mm -hmm. and, and uh, doing a lot of good concert. So the standard is quite high, but still this idea, you know, like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, I, I know, It's, it's very frustrating. I, I fact a lot in the past because uh, because um, also while uh, you know a student, uh, a lot of people keep asking me what what you're gonna do, study musicology and everything. You know, everybody was studying biology, medicine and stuff like this. And then uh, and then here I am right now. I can I can say I can I can't complain about my life at all. But even this podcasting thing, yeah, it's for me a hobby, but it's also open a lot of different uh, opportunities in my career and mm -hmm. my life and everything. Um, so uh, out there, there is a lot of, uh, there is a lot of mentality that I have to maybe still change and evolve. And so I guess I can personally advise, but also if somebody have listened to your experience that the more you do, the more you see, uh, it can just bring you something, something positive. You know, it's all always beneficial for you. Yes, yes. But so you 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 are definitely into classical music. This is your 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 path, your profession. But you also like to listen to other kind of music. Yeah. Uh, do you, can you can you can you say that maybe you can find some 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 inspiration or some energy from other kind of music or 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 you or you're just related to classical music because this is also a kind of reality or choices. Um. So I mean, I you know, obviously, I utterly love classical music. Why wouldn't be you know, studying training to become a classical musician. Uh, but, you know, I don't listen to classical music 24-7 because, you know, it really engages my brain in such a way that it, I, 
you know, I need full concentration to listen to it. So I very rarely, like, I can't leave the house without music. So I always have my earphones with me. Um, but I find it pretty hard to listen to classical music, like when I'm on the train or going somewhere, because, you know, I get distracted by things and then I start sort of thinking about them and, you know, like, analytical theoretical stuff or just like oh I hadn't noticed what they do here in this interpretation uh, in comparison to this other recording I just had the other day and then you know I'll miss my stop or something um or I just won't enjoy it because I can't relax properly to listen to it in the train so I much prefer uh listening to you know things I used to listen to especially you know as a teenager which is mostly just like uh metal and punk stuff and um it's kind of funny because I, I grew up on classical music and I only listened to classical music until I was like, I'd say eight or nine. And then, you know, I was always like the uh, weird person in the class who was like, oh, have you heard this new Katy Perry song? And I'd be like, no, sorry, I only listen to classical music. And they'd give you this look like, are you from the Stone Age or something? Uh, you know, like these days, I, I just don't, I, I'm not bothered by it at all. You know, I just listen to what I like and uh, that's it. Um, but I would say I have a bit of a a very specific sort of music taste. Like I can listen to nearly everything except maybe the really generic pop stuff that's on the radio and everything. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just really enjoy listening to all the, or most of the uh, genres I used to listen to in my teens because it just sort of, I can I can really sort of let my uh, mind just sort of wander a bit when I'm in the train and listening to that stuff because I don't have to like concentrate. I don't know if it's like a sort of a, a, or what's it called the uh, Pavlov reflex or something, you know that. Um, yeah, I remember. Oh, that, what, yeah. what's it? It's like it's, it's. I think it was a psychological experiment where this guy called Pavlov used to ring a bell whenever he fed these dogs, and then he took away the food. And when he rang the bell, dogs would start slobbering because they associated the ringing of the bell with food. And I think I have the same thing with classical music, because as soon as I hear classical music, I start, you know, analyzing everything and sort of my mind starts working. So I can't really just, or I have to like actively tell myself, like, don't, you know, go into it, just enjoy it. And I can do that really well in concerts. Um, but if I'm listening to something like um, at home or, when I'm traveling somewhere, like I just have to, it's a different mindset. So yeah, that's why I prefer listening to like non-classical things when I'm traveling or cleaning. <laughs> yeah, I think this is about music and listen to what you like, what your taste are. And it's always interesting to ask. I always ask to my guest because uh, oh yeah, I think that is, I noticed that sometimes people are kind of avoiding the idea of saying, I listen to modern music or this kind of music. Like, or like, I don't know why classical musicians always have this yeah. idea that metal is just loud noise and everything like this. But, but uh, uh, it's the fact that... Um, it's not. It's so similar to classical music, really. Oh, that, that's interesting because you're the first people who say that. Can you, can you explain a little bit why you could say something like this? Really? Yeah. I thought, I thought like many people said, well, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's complex and, you know, it's maybe not as complex as uh, many classical composers make their or made their um, compositions. Uh, but, you know, for example, pop music mostly has the same exact chord progression or uh, a lot of EDM just has the same droning beat the whole time. Um, and I mean, yes, you also get shitty metal. Sorry, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, that's not a problem. <laughs> that's not a problem. You can, it's a, you get, you're allowed. Um, <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so you get um, bad, you know, sort of metal where, you know, it's just not very creative and stuff. But generally, I, I guess it also depends on the genre or maybe it's personal taste, but I tend to sort of go towards more complex sounding uh, bands and, and songs and uh but yeah, generally, I think, you know, metal music is uh, similar to classical music in a lot of ways because it's different to pop uh, for many reasons. And it's a lot more complex. You know, the drums have complex uh, rhythms and patterns that keep changing. And mostly there's at least two guitars or at least one guitar and a bass. 
but uh, a lot of bands have two guitars and then you know you have the, the lead guitar that does all the melodic stuff and then you have the a rhythm guitar or just something else and then you know you get these four different lines in essence that sort of you know come together and apart and whatever and that just makes it a lot more like classical music than a pop thing that just seems to have one line that's going in the same direction and it ends and um yes yes i mean you probably get some pop that is also complex i mean this isn't like a black and white metal is complex pop is not but uh i think generally you'll find a lot more complex things in less popular genres than in pop music yes yes of course because that's just the way music somehow weirdly evolved <laughs> yeah i think that the fact with pop music is definitely something that has to be catchy or something like is a listening like train travel out yeah. uh, auto and everything exactly. and or okay. and you know like happy and upbeat and stuff yes yes and so they try to to adapt this kind of music to to the, to the daily life routine of most of people i would say but uh, but then yeah i think it's definitely interesting because also mm-hmm. somebody um go on youtube and look at some uh, metal guitar players that just amazing how to play the technique uh, the virtuosisms they got mm-hmm. so, but uh, exactly one, once again often we, very technical once again we need to struggle a little bit about um, you know stereotypes as you got those on classical music mm-hmm. and then you got the same on, on other kind of, of music I think because I remember bringing yeah, you then know. to a classic concert and then never been there and um mm-hmm. and at the beginning everybody oh yeah it's going to be classical music and everything and then you know listen to um um the whole orchestra playing some like overture i i can't recall uh, which composer but i guess it was rossini and so like so those overture some melodic but also mm-hmm. enthusiast with a lot of energy and different kind of colors and yeah. the different movements and in the end there was everybody was so like i was a shocked but surprised you know because they they didn't expect that uh, classical live classical music could be so loud and so yeah. alive and so it goes a lot on 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 the, on the that's the thing you know it's alive i noticed that while while i'm working uh, on the stage um Sometimes it's hard just to say, you know, staying behind under the curtains and see your friends playing some kind of sounds you like, the sound that you like. And yeah. look at that. Would you like to be there? Because you like the feeling and, and you realize also, oh, this is why I'm here, why uh, I'm doing that. But personally, it, this happened also when I um, also had the chance to work with some uh, ancient music or a baroque uh, ensemble. This is a, a, a kind of music mm-hmm. that I more study at the university. And it's so dear to me, and I, I yeah. got the same feeling when I when I see this when I'm there, also on the on, on the side of the stage, listen to the performance, and I got the same feeling and say, oh, this is why I'm here doing that. Yeah, and that that makes me just just smile because it's it's definitely a magic feeling. Yeah, you can't compare with anything, <laughs> like because you know this is this is definitely. work. You are there Absolutely for work, not. and I think. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's such an important feeling to have that, you know, you just know this is, you know, what I'm here for and what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because uh, I remember when I, you know, first started studying, because I didn't have the most direct path to uh, my studies, um, because initially, uh, so, you know, in Switzerland, after secondary school, you either start an apprenticeship or you do the gymnasium, and then when you get the uh, matura, which I guess is comparable to A-levels or GCSEs, I think A-levels, and then you can go and study. Um, So I did one year of gymnasium and then I was like, hey, actually I want to start an apprenticeship because then I can earn money and work. And originally I wanted to study biology. So I was like, oh, I'll start an apprenticeship as a lab technician in biology. And then I can progress from there and eventually um, do the, which is just like an exam thing so that I can go and study. And so I did this apprenticeship for a year. And in that year, I was like, oh, I I missed playing the violin so much because I would have to get up at like 5 a.m. and travel to Zurich to start work at half past seven or eight. 
And I had to go to school three times a week. So I'd have to get up at half past four to travel to Winterthur to go to school there that started at half seven and I had school until five. So, you know, I'd get up, it would be dark outside. I'd come home, it would be dark outside. And I'd just be too tired to practice uh, or even just play. And so, you know, I started to really, really just miss playing the violin. Because as you said earlier, you know, there's like some kind of strong connection between playing an instrument and, you know, your, your emotions, your soul, whatever you, you, you want to call it. And I was just really missing that connection bit. Um, so um, to keep the story short, I basically just quit my apprenticeship and, uh, you know, put everything on one card and um, got into Lucerne with the professor I wanted to study with. And uh, things went from there. And, you know, I've never looked back since. And uh, wait, what was I actually going to say about that? Because I feel like I went off track trying to sort of build up the story. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about the fact that you, I mean, the, the fact that you choose, you, you didn't choose at first to study music, but you got oh, yes. to- Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. So what I was actually building up to, which was a very long-winded build-up, was that, you know, once I started studying in Lucerne, every day I woke up, I was just so grateful that I was able to do what I, you know, what I really love and what really is my passion. And, you know, every day I'd, be, I'd go up to the, to the college and I'd be like, is this really, you know, real? I'm actually here. I'm actually studying music now. I'm a, a music student. And, you know, even now when I, when I go to Guildhall, I'm like, I'm at a really prestigious music university studying with one of the top, top professors. Is this really real? You know, like, how? How did me, how did I, you know, get this far? But, you know, it's some things I feel like, you know, they're just meant to be. And if you really want something, you'll just find a way for it to work. And um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that, so that feeling of, you know, this is what I'm here for. This is what I want to do. It's so important that you find that because I feel if you don't have that or if you can't find that, then at least in my eyes, if I didn't have that, I would really be questioning myself right now if this is the right thing for me and everything. But, you know, I haven't doubted um, my, I'd say my career options or my, no, not options, but my career choice I haven't doubted my career choice since the day I quit my apprenticeship because I just know that uh, my place is in the world of music. And, you know, how that's going to end up looking like when I finish my master's degree, I have absolutely no idea. But I'm pretty sure um, that I'm going to end up where I'm meant to end up and that I'll be happy. And that's just the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, of course. But so you already said that you don't really know what's going to happen, but... Uh, do you have some dreams or something that would you like to achieve in the future for your career? <laughs> I mean, I would like to achieve many things uh, in my life um, and also in my, in my career. Uh, but I tend to sort of keep them to myself. And I think that's also partly because of a new CERN. Mm -hmm. If you said certain, certain things, um, like, oh, I want to learn this piece or I want to do this and that after my studies. Many people, if it was something like above average, people would be like, oh, you must be crazy or, oh, that's never going to happen or why would you bother learning this piece? It's so hard and you're never going to play it in a concert. Anyway, this kind of mentality really bothered me. So I just started like keeping my plans um, to myself. Um, but I will say, you know, I'm, I'm keeping every option open Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i guess i'll just see what happens um but I, i i mean i do have ideas of things that i definitely don't want um but i also don't think that they'll happen so mm -hmm. yeah i think the most important thing is to keep an open mind and entertain as many possible options as as yeah as possible um because you know who knows what the world's going to look like in two years i mean nobody saw this pandemic coming <laughs> Yes, yes, so, this is the situation yeah. right now is kind of still still hard, still kind of catastrophic because the the whole worlds yeah. of hearts just stop. I mean, um of course it's difficult for different professions 
but in this specific case, we're talking about art. So um, there's mm -hmm. a there's starting coming out new option uh, to offer live music or to offer music and other uh, exper uh, artistic experiences to the audience. And it's also something positive is mm -hmm. that talking with some friends and uh, of different ages, they told me, hey, you know, um, we definitely miss this, this idea of live to go and be the audience of a concert, be part of something. And um, so this yeah. means that the day we can start again, having an audience in the, in the concert hall and everything, that would be people coming and for sure uh, invest in, in, in the There'll culture. be many people coming. Yeah, uh, but and I think that here Switzerland and I guess Europe still, still of course a little bit more um, fortunate than what happened in America, where they just close. I mean, uh, definitely. Oh yes. So so and and huge name like the Met, MIT, yeah. and everything. They say, oh, uh, what we could do yeah. right now. And uh, you know that's so shocking. Yeah, and you know if if those big names like the Met or I think also in England that you know the Royal Albert Hall and things if they are running into trouble and you know having to cancel whole seasons and things what on earth is going to happen to like the smaller orchestras the smaller venues uh people who are maybe only just starting out as chamber music groups or soloists you know how are they supposed to you know get their concert experience or make a name for themselves or you know just live generally you know Uh, generate money to live if there's absolutely no possibility uh, of, you know, doing your work um, like before. And, you know, going online, I mean, it's great that we can do that in this day and age, but it's not, you know, it's not the future for music, I don't think, especially not classical music. And it's not really a long-term solution in my, in, in my eyes. It's more like a, a Band-Aid or something sort of temporarily relieve the suffering but you know when I watch online concerts I just don't enjoy it in the same way uh, and I also just get distracted because you know it's on a screen and you're not immersed in it you don't feel the energy coming off the stage and uh, you know it's not the, the full 3D experience and you know just also the traveling to the concert hall you know and getting a seat and sitting down and stuff and you know and talking in the foyer afterwards and, and like oh Let's go around the back and see if we can, you know, see the soloists or whatever. All this kind of stuff, you know, this sort of makes the whole concert experience so special. And that just goes completely lost um, in online concerts. And I think that's just an aspect of live entertainment that just can't be um, substituted in any form through online. Yes, yes. Uh, about that, uh, I can... I can only uh, go on uh, on the words of Maestro Muti that he conducted the Wiener Philharmonic for the New Year concert. And um, it was uh, uh, before the start of the concert, uh, mm -hmm. he just said uh, a couple of words. And, and the core of the message was that um, being a musician, it's a profession. It's a, it's a solid profession, like being a doctor and, uh, or other job that normally you will mm -hmm. see in our society uh, yeah. and um, that brings a lot of good things to a lot of people yeah and I, I think this was so a uh, beautiful message because um, in times like like this where uh, you you notice that how the Absolutely. economy works how the government works and no conspiracy behind this is the truth the solid yeah. truth behind a lot of things uh, there's still person doing this job and um, thanks to their in engagement and to, to their passion to brings people good vibes, definitely. And so it was so so nice to see the Maestro Muti telling yeah. that at the start of a new year, a new year that is going to be hard as the one before. Um, and those yeah. are definitely words that um, made give me, exactly. uh, to myself here in Basel, in my, in my apartment, Recording my parts and saying, uh, you know, that, oh, this is definitely motivating because I got a lot mm -hmm. of friends that are musicians. I got a lot of friends enjoying music. Um, yeah. And this absolutely. is definitely a strong message from somebody who is definitely uh, one of the biggest names in the music yeah. world. Yeah. And, you know, we, we fling a lot of, uh, you know, 
uh, frustration, obscenities and hatred at like, you know, the, the politicians and the people who have to make these difficult decisions on not only, you know, the regulations for the pandemic, but sometimes also about JITs, you know, for, you know, supporting culture or sports or whatever. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're also only trying to do their job. And I would not like to be in their shoes. I would not like to be the person that had to make these decisions. So, you know, it must be hard for them as well, even if they do sometimes make decisions that really makes you question, you know, humanity and just the fundament of how we live and things. But I suppose that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well... I have to thank you very much for your uh, your your time. <laughs> thank you. And you telling about your experience. I think it's going to be definitely a, a huge support for young stu students. So. <laughs> um, and uh, to all of them out there, I, I say personally, uh, keep going. Those are our times, but we need your passion. We, we need your music. Yeah. And uh, once again, um, thank you very much. Would you say something to close this episode? Uh, yeah, I would say two things that, you know, are applicable on every aspect of life from this pandemic to, you know, if you're uh, questioning yourself or your abilities as a musician or as an accountant or whatever, um, you know, two thing, two words that really helped me um, to believe that things, you know, it is possible to change things no matter you know, how hard they may be. It's just... Um, to persevere and to be patient. So uh, yeah, patience and perseverance, it really takes you a long way. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you once again. I hope you all the best for the future. I hope you could, could go back you. Uh, you. to England and go <laughs> and go keep going with your, with your career and your studies. Hopefully. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. I will close this episode with a song of the rock band Cheap Date. The sound of this four members band from Caserta, Italy, is a crushing mix of sounds of the 90s with an hardcore energy and a grunge revival. Taken from the DIY EP In Gloom, released in December 2019, here is my favorite track, Superstar. Superstar.